What's up, guys? We have an amazing guest with us today. Her name is Jasmine Duke. I'm going to let you know a little bit about her. Jasmine is the founder of JDE Manufacturing and owner of the luxury bath care line, JD Bath Company. She started her business known for its organic, vegan, and cruelty-free products as a love letter to women. In recent years, Jasmine has expanded her brand to also include products for men, including beard oil. Based in Atlanta, Jasmine spends her time manufacturing skincare for local companies through JDE Manufacturing and selling luxury non-toxic skincare as the CEO of JD Bath Co. Her hobbies include writing, reading, and telling other women they are bomb AF. You guys, welcome, Jasmine. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That was like quite the introduction. Yes, I mean, only right, only right. So welcome. We're so excited to have you. Uh, we got to hear a bit, a little bit about you, but just, you know, just introduce yourself. Just say hi to the people. <laughs> sure. Uh, hello. Uh, my name is Jasmine Duke. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, as you heard from my bio, I kind of do all things clean beauty, non-toxic, luxury skincare. Um, I don't know what else. I love sunshine. I'm bummed I haven't been able to travel as much as I wanted to because of COVID. Um, and I like to do puzzles, I think. Ooh. Like that's my latest hobby is puzzles okay. online and um, like on the floor and just doing big, like, you know, physical piece puzzles. I love it. That's unique. Now, do you like frame your puzzles or <laughs> no. just scramble them back up? And <laughs> That's like a step too far. <laughs> for me, right. I, think. No, I, I know. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, I love it. So I uh, mean, if, if you're into that, I'm not, I don't, I think you should do whatever makes you happy, but I personally just like break them down so then I can do them again later. Exactly. That's the fun part. No, I'm, I'm with you on the sunshine. I was just telling Jasmine that I relocated back to Maryland and it's been an adjustment dealing to this, dealing with this uh, winter weather, but here we are <laughs> knocking yeah. down on the days till spring. So you told us a little bit about yourself, but I like to start off with a game called The People Want to Know. Because the people want to get to know you before we hop into these, these questions. So okay. saying that the people want to know, are you reading anything right now? Okay, so don't make fun of me. <laughs> I, um, because of what I do, the manufacturing, I actually do Audible. So I do... I think I'm on my third or fourth book this month because it's really easy to plow through books when you uh, have them playing in your headphones. Um, and right now I'm actually listening to Midnight Sun, which is the Twilight um, story, but from Edward's perspective. Okay. Okay. Well, look, I would have to listen to that on Audible because those books are like this thick, like... <laughs> Those are some big books. So they are. I've read them so many times. Really? Um, yeah, the Twilight series. I am a big sci-fi fantasy. Okay. Um, I actually the book I just finished before this was called Mexican Gothic. Okay. They're like uh, sci-fi fantasy romance type um novels that are acted to uh, author. Her name is Sylvia. She has like all these books, but they're uh really her character development is very advanced it's just incredible so I've been really like just eating up her books like crazy so but yeah I, I'm big big sci-fi nerd oh my gosh my cousin Shay is gonna be so excited when she hears this interview because she used to read me like chapters from Twilight like she's oh. obsessed <laughs> so obsessed do you are you thinking about writing you were saying some stuff there made me sound like you might be a writer 
So I have written three books, I think, to date. I published one a few years ago and decided I kind of didn't want to do it. And so I've retired the publishing. um, And now I'm just focused really on the skincare manufacturing. And I I always thought when I retired, though, that I would hold up in a cabin in Montana on Flathead Lake Mm -hmm. and finish. I have a book that I wrote a long time ago about a mermaid that I've always wanted to publish. And I think when I retire, that will be like my retirement thing is I'll actually finally finish and publish that book. I love it. That's a great idea. Okay. The next people, the next thing that the people want to know, what's heavy on your playlist right now? What is heavy on my playlist right now? Um, (laughs) now I have to look. So I like the nineties. Same. Same. I'm such a nineties gal. Like I just don't think they've created anything great since the nineties. Is that like, is that too far? My whole playlist is like, 112 and like all 90s so I am with you my most played song right now on Spotify is actually Tay Money self-made Tay Money self-made I'm sure I've heard it and I just that's actually that's not 90s that's actually a new song so I'm feeling I feel kind of hip right now (laughs) (laughs) like I'm listening to what the kids are listening to (laughs) I'm down with the kids I'm on TikTok right right (laughs) Okay, so last thing that the people want to know, what movie have you watched over and over again? Like you can recite all the lines. What is that? Well, I won't say Twilight since that's kind of like uh, apparent at this point. Um, the First Wives Club. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great movie. I love it. Okay, awesome. So the people, they know you now. They know you. <laughs> the interview. So Jasmine, tell me why luxury bath care? What led you down that route? So it's, it's, it's like a bit of a sordid tale, I guess. Um, I think, you know, you end up places because of, um, what's the word? Like, uh, because you have to, not necessarily because you chose it. And that's how I feel about um, ending up in this space. So years ago now, I was struggling with chronic yeast infections. Mm. And it, you know, for anybody who's struggled with yeast infections or BV, it's very frustrating. It's very uncomfortable. Um, and the resources to try to solve that problem are actually not great. I think at least now we're starting to get to a place where education, resources, people to talk about it with to try to get some like community knowledge is better. But um, this is probably about five years ago now at the time, I'm, I'm really struggling and I'm seeing OBGYN after OBGYN after OBGYN after OBGYN and nobody is helping me. Wow. I mean, I'm pretty much getting like, uh, you know, chin up buttercup type like speeches. Mm-hmm. Not like there's a problem with my body, not like there's a problem happening with me, just, well, this is what it is, you know, buck up, you know, deal with it. And I'm like thinking to them, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get somebody to care about the fact that something is wrong. Yeah, Something is wrong. And I'm doing everything, you know what I mean? Cotton panties, don't sit in wet, you know, what are, you know, the whole, my, what are you washing your clothes in the soap that I mean, I'm doing everything. I've always had sensitive skin, sensitive body, like I'm, and my mother's very sensitive as well. So I grew up in a household with somebody who knew how to, you know, help you along with these 
um, sensitivities. And so we were always really careful with everything, like to the point where I still throw out my underwear after six months. Okay. <laughs> like I just, I'm one of those people and I know my body's sensitive, so I don't even play. So I saw this OBGYN and it's like my fourth one. Now, by the way, this is like very expensive, right? Because right. This is, it, they're uh, specialty doctors, yeah. which I'm like, how is this a specialty? Yeah. This right. doesn't feel this special. A necessity, right? <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't feel special. Like, yeah. So I'm on my fourth doctor and I'm getting really frustrated, but I'm thinking to myself, I have to keep shaking down these doctors because I don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. If they can't help me, no one can help me. And so this last doctor basically said, well, I think it's the baths. You just have to not take any more baths. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys have taken everything. You know, I'm not swimming. I'm not having sex. I'm like, I've lost all sorts of joy. Right. Now I can't <laughs> take a bath. I was like, so I like storm out of this office and I'm raging, just rage angry because no one's listening. No one's helping me. It's expensive. Like this just end and not working. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to figure this out because obviously nobody is. And so I just start doing all this research. Um, and I think that's one of the amazing things about how we live now is like, you can find access to anything. Right. So I start literally going, you know, not women's health. No, no, no. Like medical research. What do we know about vaginal care? And through this like quest to basically really just prove that OBGYN wrong, I start realizing how messed up the products are. Mm -hmm. I'm like, these products are disgusting. Like you should never be sitting in a tub with a dye and a glitter filled bath bomb. That's so... <laughs> And we don't think about these things. Wow. I watch them on like TikTok and stuff. And I'm like, oh, don't put your body in there. Don't put your body in there. Like you're everything you've One got. Of the most sensitive parts of your body at that. Yeah. Or even just your skin. Like your skin yeah. doesn't want to be coated in whatever bullshit they have in that bathroom. Right. So I, so I go on this thing and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start making my own bath bombs. So I, I do. And then I'm like, you know, now I'm just giving them to people because I'm so freaked out that they're using these other gross products. Now I'm just giving all this stuff out, right? I'm like, just take them. Everybody have one. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, well, I might as well start a company. Right. So, and I'll, I'll actually circle back. So that's how I got the company started. But the yeast infection problem, I ended up solving that. So I'm living in New York at a time and a girlfriend um, invites me to a product launch. Product launch is something called Flex. It's a menstrual cup. Oh, yeah. I had never seen, uh, I mean, I was like 30 at the time. I'd never even seen a menstrual cup. I mean, I knew they existed kind of somewhere, right? But like conceptually, I didn't really get it. And I walk into this room and Lauren Schultz, the founder of the company, gets on stage and starts talking about how she created this pro uh, product because she was having chronic yeast infections. Wow. So I learned that the chronic yeast infections were being caused by my period. So the blood can knock your pH off. And so basically what was happening was my pH was being unbalanced and then I'm using tampons mm -hmm. and the tampons are sucking all the good flora that your body's sending to the walls of your vagina to rebalance you. So by the time you're done, now you've got a wicked infection because your body is too far out of balance, right? Now, now what? well, now you have yeast infection. So I'm literally standing at this product launch and this girl gets on stage and starts telling like my story. And I'm like, holy cow. 
So I like <laughs> run to her. Yeah, I like Lauren. <laughs> so I stop using the tampons and the yeast infections stop. Wow. And you you started using the cup? Yeah. I, I use the cup as well. And the same for me. Like I I didn't have the chronic yeast infections, but I'm such a big advocate, first of all, for women, especially women of color to advocate, you know, advocate for themselves because that happens to us so much where we tell our doctor what's wrong. They don't know what it is. So they just say, it's no big deal. And I'm like, I'm telling you, (laughs) this isn't right. This isn't normal, but you're, you know, so we have to do, you have to be your own advocate and you have to push. So then I get into this community of women who, um, so like they all, I think, have like million dollar businesses right now, which is just, just this really kismet time in my life. So there's an OBGYN who was consulting for Flex that actually then told me, so I, I was mostly yeast infection free, but every now and again, I would get one and I couldn't kind of understand what was happening. And so that OBGYN actually said to me, cut out processed sugar. Wow. So I did. No more problems at all. And then what also ends up happening. So at the time I was doing between eight and 15 sinus infections a year. And like, they were getting ready to like, see me, send me to an ENT for surgery and all this stuff. Right. Cause there's like, something's wrong with your sinuses. Mm-hmm. Turns out that white granulated processed sugar, it kicks up your body um, to create more mucus. For whatever reason, my body doesn't process mucus well. And so when I have a lot of mucus in my body, it basically just turns into full infections, gland, ear, sinus. So not only did I solve the yeast infection problem, but I now don't have sinus infections at all. That is crazy because most things I feel like we're learning this now can be solved naturally, but we go to the doctor, they medicate us just try to give us a band-aid, you know, and here you are solving multiple health issues, (laughs) all starting with a yeast infection, you know, but man. Yeah. And like, it's, so it's just one of those things where I think it really set me on a course and it it really made me feel like one women are left out of the health conversation on so many levels. I mean, we were like categorized as small men until 1968. The research that is done on women is very slight, especially when it comes to things like, you know, like when's the last time they actually made a birth control that somebody feels like using? Right. Like it's not because the technology is beyond us. It's because nobody wants to fund it. And that to me is just such, we've been left so far outside of the conversation that I really, I think that really like anchored me into, I really want to do something for women, something good for women. And that is what, so that's why I always say this company really started as my love letter to women, because I was like, you, we deserve better and we're going to get better. Even if we have to do it ourselves. I love it. I love it because I feel like so many of us go, if men did dealt with the amount of changes that we do with our body. I feel like every few years, it's something new (laughs) going on with my body. And if men dealt with those things, first of all, the world would stop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, everybody would be at home, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) I love that. That's such a great story. So you also manufacture luxury non-toxic skincare. Um, Tell us about that venture and how you broke into that industry. 
Yeah. So I think it's a natural like progression um, for somebody like me who's so, um, I guess passion is probably the word, maybe like non um, refuses to like give up. Um, for me to give the production of the products to another company was just not something I was ever comfortable with. Um, you know, for me, the standard of what I will put in my products, how I manufacture the cleanliness of the facility, the chemicals I allow in the warehouse, that type of um, those decisions, you lose a lot of that control when you outsource your manufacturing to another company. And so I decided that even though manufacturing is actually like insanely hard and very expensive, like my CFO was like, please don't do manufacturing. Please don't do manufacturing. Please don't do manufacturing. And I was like, we're doing manufacturing. <laughs> <laughs> like the machines are like coming off the truck. She's like, don't do it. I'm like, we're doing it. Here. <laughs> wow. But I told her, I said, there's just nothing in my heart that can, that can do this another way. If we could do it another way, I would, but there's just nothing in me that can do this another way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I started a manufacturing company. So one, I could keep up with the scale of my own business so that JD Bafco could um, be manufactured in the way that I felt our customers deserve. Uh, they're used to a certain standard and now we're at a quantity level where I can't hand back everything. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to keep that quality. So I did. Um, it's also pretty amazing to have a black owned warehouse in Atlanta, Georgia, like just not a story you hear a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, I started buying the machinery. I launched JDE manufacturing last year. Um, I bought the warehouse so that I own it so that COVID can't shut the warehouse down, which is a big thing right now as well. You know, a lot of people who rent space or rent somebody else's building, you now with a global pandemic lose a lot of control. Yeah. And what they can do with your, you know, with your business. And I, I didn't want it outside of my purview. And so I decided to just go ahead and pull the trigger and buy, um, buy the warehouse. And yes, yeah, so now I've been making skincare for other companies around Atlanta, which has been a absolute like labor of love to watch these things come to, you know, come to real life. Um, I work with a lot of other black owned businesses, which is also just so beautiful. Like, being able to produce, you know, black owned manufacturing. And I have a chemist that also partners with me and she's a black woman. And then we, you know, it's just the whole thing is oh, like, <laughs> it's just not a story you hear a lot either. Like, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's I'll, I'll leave it there, but it's, it's been a really beautiful, a very challenging, but a very beautiful experience for me. And, you know, the manufacturing is of more interest to me as well. Yeah. Um, my dad teases cause I'll like be up late at night, but I'm like watching like YouTube videos of how they make silicone or mm -hmm. I, I just, now every time I see something, if I don't know how it's made, I have to find out. Right. I'm like, how do they make that? I need yeah. to know. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to say. That's one of the struggles I have in selecting skincare is I'm reading the back and I don't know what a lot of these things are, right. That are in, in the product. And I'm always trying to find the most natural, but it's like always something in there that I'm like, what is this? <laughs> you know, and then I'm Googling, what is that? You know, so yeah. to be able to know exactly what is going into your product and to, like you said, to be able to put so many other black, black businesses, black women in the position to, you know, be 
entrepreneurs like that one of the reasons why I do this podcast is like I love to highlight people with that entrepreneurial spirit because I know the work that goes into it and I know it's a hustle but you know it's it's worth it to be able to like you said have that labor of love to be able to like kind of sew back into your community is beautiful yeah and we have to do it together because the reality is no one's gonna put us on yeah that no one I mean if you look at how funding works and you know black women are left out of so many conversations out of so many opportunities and I think one of the great things about being in Atlanta is I'm so deeply connected into um black (laughs) women doing all sorts of stuff like who own businesses or you know just a myriad of things and I'm always able to if you're looking for something I probably know a black woman who does it I love that. And I can pipe that. I also, as a side note, I have a, a brunch series I do called Sister and Brunch. I was going to bring that up. I saw that. Awesome. So Saturday we had a one and yeah, I was thinking it's 12 of us, but just connecting and like mm-hmm. pulling together and being able to have genuine conversations about, you know, how, pe- how people have been. I mean, with the, you know, everybody's trying to make it. Everybody's had to pivot their businesses. We've got some of the women have recently had children. Like there's so much to pull together and support communally. And so it was really beautiful to have that, to pull back together. And I had so many people hit me up the next day. Like I needed that so bad. And I was like, I did too. Yeah. You get so used to doing everything on your own and, you know, to a certain extent, that's cool, but we need collaboration, you know, and that's another reason why I do this because a lot of people, you know, they want to do certain things, but they don't know how, but you know, you might know someone who can put that puzzle piece together, you know, reach out yeah. to someone who can do the, the area that you're weak in. I think that that's so important. A lot of the time, yeah. like, oh, I got it. I'll do it on my own. And you're making your life that much more difficult. <laughs> you need a village. We talk so much about self-care and I'm so excited for the self-care conversation to start transitioning into community care Yeah, because we're community creatures we live within context of villages on purpose you should have a village you should have a group of people around you that care for you that love you that check on you and that you reciprocate that you can be yourself you know whoever that is that day yeah with that is so vital and I think we've got this very sickening superwoman mindset of like doing everything solo and it's not that we can't it's that we shouldn't yeah it's that we just, we shouldn't. I, um, I got sick this year. It wasn't COVID, but I got like this really killer virus and I'm like in getting tested like every day, try to, I'm like, this has to be COVID. This is terrible. Right. <laughs> it actually wasn't. <laughs> um, but I got so sick and I literally had girlfriends that were like, we're coming over. We're packing orders. Mm. Like we got it. Like I didn't even have to ask. I didn't even have to say it. They just knew because they know me. Yeah. And it was December, which is the busiest month of the year for retail. They were like, we got you. Don't even worry about it. We're packing the orders this week. Lay down. Wow. And like to have that kind of support of a village who just is looking out for you and like brought me medicine, brought me, you know what I mean? Like just really had like my back on me being okay that it's you you really can't put a price on how valuable that is for your just happiness my my life is full because of that you know I love it yeah like 
like you said, you know, community is so important, especially when, you know, for people like us who have moved, you know, to a new city or, you know, I feel like it can be that much more challenging if you're trying to just go out there and grind by yourself. You need to build community. You need to find ways to connect. And I know it can be difficult right now with, you know, the pandemic, but find ways, virtual connections, whatever it may be, because you need that in times like that. You never know what you may be going through and people will show up for you. So that's so awesome. While we're talking about skincare, I mean, sorry, self-care, um, why do you think that's such a big topic right now? And how important do you think self-care is and just taking care of yourself? Um, that's a good question. Self-care kind of like blew up like yeah. three years ago, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, the internet loves buzzwords. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like all of a sudden somebody blogged about self-care and like the internet like grabbed it and everything was self-care. Um, I think self-care is very important, but I also don't quantify self-care. I think the way a lot of people do, okay. um, like a lot of people will be like, oh, you have self-care products. I'm like, mm, actually I have self-soothing products is probably a better, like, because self-care to me is really, you know, digging into yourself and living a life that's genuinely yours, where you care for yourself. Like, Self-care is going to bed early instead of staying up on the internet because you know you need sleep. Like self-care is seeing your therapist even though you don't want to face the gunk that's going on because you know you have to. Self-care is making sure that I feed myself breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day even though I just want to keep working. Self-care is making sure that I shower and, you know, do all the human things that my body physically needs. It's, you know, not having cheese, not having sugar because my body doesn't like them and mm. having the things that actually are going to, you know, feed my body in a healthy way. And I think to me, that's more about what self-care is versus yeah. this, like, treat yourself, face mask, yeah. like, buy a shirt, like, you know what I mean? Those are self-soothing. They make us feel good and we love them. But I think true self-care is really more about doing what you have to do to keep yourself well. And a lot of those things are not as fun as laying in a bath. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is the perfect description. I never heard that, but self-soothing versus self-care are two totally different things. And, you know, I learned that I never, you know, I didn't hear that, you know, title for it, but I learned that myself recently is like, I'm doing things to try to make me feel better, you know, like to try to make me feel good, but not necessarily getting to the root of why I was feeling bad in the first place, you know? Yeah. And I know there, I recently started therapy and I know a lot of it is coming from that, you know, stirring up some of the, like you said, the gunk yeah. that's inside and okay, let me go watch something funny so I can just get out. Of yeah. This, you know, like, that hurts. therapy is a like, lot of work. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> no, this is part of the process. This is true mm. self-care, you know, like it's not yeah. always going to feel good, but it is good for you. I might prefer yeah. to stay up all night and watch movies, but no, you know, you need to get to sleep because you have a, a busy day tomorrow, you know? So yeah, you need the rest. Care. That's good. How also, you aftercare. Sorry, one more yeah. plug. Aftercare. So I'm a big therapy advocate. I've been in therapy for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I've been with the same therapy in Atlanta, a Black woman, of course. Mm -hmm. um, like everyone I think I work with, the woman who manages my money, my doctor, everybody's Black women. Oh, so beautiful. Atlanta is a gorgeous place. It is. Um, <laughs> But uh, aftercare is also a big thing. 
So like after I have therapy, I give myself aftercare and it looks different. Sometimes there's a really nice home goods right by my therapist's office. So sometimes I go bum around and just like aimlessly look at stuff. Sometimes I sit in the sunshine. Sometimes I take a nap. Sometimes I, you know, whatever, but I always buffer myself after therapy for aftercare so that I can care for myself for whatever, you know, whatever we did in that session, whatever I brought up or processed or, you know, so I have the space for myself um, instead of trying to like, you know, shove therapy for one hour and then shove myself into the next thing. Yeah, that's really, really good. I think that's so key. I had a friend say, before you do anything after your therapy session, just stop and journal. Like, how are you feeling? What are mm. your thoughts in your head? And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Cause I would do that. I'm like, I'll schedule it right before work and then I'll go to work. And you know, you didn't even digest everything that you just, you just yeah. learned, felt, you know? So that's- You're like, let's pack that away and get back to this yeah, over here. Exactly, <laughs> so that I can feel better. You know, that's not <laughs> self-care, okay? <laughs> That yeah. is not self-care. So how do you feel or how do you see men responding to that word self-care? Do you feel like that is something that they're embracing more? A lot of the men around me do. Um, I think I have a, a group of very good male friends. And so um, almost all my male friends are also in therapy. Good. So I think the kind of like class of men around me is also maybe a little bit different than kind of the general population. But I tend to just attract people who are like on the similar wellness journey because we have a lot in common, right? Um, oh, hold on one second. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think the men around me take, you know, mental their mental health and their own wellness, whether that be in how they take care of themselves or how they're processing emotions or getting out of things, you know, habits that have happened to them or, you know, they were in the military or they grew up in households that were abusive, like really kind of processing through um, in a healthy way, trying to be better. And mm -hmm. so I think the men that are close to me, I know are very kind of on that same dig deep, do the work type yeah. um, mission yeah. as well. Um, but I also know just a lot of general men who like never like want to look at their feelings and just like drink beers with the bros. And <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, good now. Yeah. And but yeah. a lot of girls are like that. Like I know a lot of women like that too, right? Like, I mean, a lot of. I used to be that way. I did. Like I, you know, would just sit on top of my feelings and I'm like, hold on, something's not right here. And it got to a point where I'm like, okay, I need to address this. So therapy has been very real for me. <laughs> it's a lot of work. People think it's like easy peasy. You just lay on the couch and somebody's nice to you. And it's like yeah. not that experience. Exactly. Cause they are not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love my therapist. So yeah, she's not always. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot of really, you know, digging deep and it's not you just talking and telling them how you feel for the week you know it's like no let's really get to the root of why you know you're feeling these emotions and you've got to be willing to do the work if you want to get to your best self you've got to be willing to do the work you know um so do you have a skin crush Rihanna 
Yeah. Like all my crushes though. Like Rihanna's like lived just the first person that popped in my head too. (laughs) I think she does. I'm like so into her. So I will, I'll tell you a little funny story though. So when she launched her skincare line, I was devastated. You know, especially when you're doing something like skincare, where it's such a saturated market, you already feel outgunned. Mm-hmm. And even if you do have a differentiator that's special, like a vagina-friendly bath soap, right? Like I have a great differentiator, I have a great story. Like I have all these marketing PR pieces that, like, you know, if you just keep pushing and get enough capital, you can be successful. But when you see somebody that you admire so much, like I admire Rihanna just on so many levels, mm-hmm. um, but you know, her humanitarian work, her businesses, her skin, her body, like she's just outrageously talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see her drop uh, Fenty skin and I'm like, I just start to cry. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my God, like who is going to buy my product, right? It's Albert. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't the only one. <laughs> yeah, like, so hurt and like, how could she? I love her. Like, so she do this to me. <laughs> yeah, right. I love her. <laughs> so, I to myself though. I'm like, I just gotta can't freak out. Don't freak out. Like, relax. There, if you're called here, there has to be a space for you. Yeah. So then, you know, her skincare line comes out, and I, of course, I'm like in the reviews. Mm-hmm. See what's going on. One of the things that I never put in my products is fragrances and dyes. Mm-hmm. And the specific reason for that is because those have skin irritating qualities. African-American skin specifically has a lot of issues with irritation. Yeah. Right. We get easily irritated by these fragrances and these dyes more than other races do. Yeah. Her um, skincare line, almost every single product has dye, has red dye in it. So all the sensitive skin folks are like, ah, ah, my skin, <laughs> I can't with this. And I, so then I start reading through all the ingredients, right? And I'm like, girl, you put red dye in all your, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? And this is why my space in the market is still my space this in the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I would never, and I, you know, you know, sometimes I look at the lineup and I think, gosh, everything is like the, you know, the color profile of my products aren't always as like vibrant as some of the other products, but it's because I just absolutely refuse to put something in it that could irritate your skin. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it, it made me think like, wow, this is why I'm like belong in this market is because there are a lot of people like me who need somebody who's going to ne- never put something like that in a product. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because that's what they need. And just like, I'm sure there's a ton of people who also love Fenty skin because that stuff doesn't irritate their skin. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always a market for what you're offering and yeah. I feel like the same thing. Like I grew up with very sensitive skin and I'm always hesitant about trying something new, you know? And so like, like I said, I'm reading the ingredients. I'm like, what is this? And let me find out what it is. So to yeah. hear that there is, you know, an option that is really pretty much like catering to my sensitive skin, of course, I'm going to go with that. So there's yeah. always going to be an audience for that. Um, what would you say are your most favorite and least favorite uh, parts of entrepreneurship? Ooh, this is tricky. Um, I believe that entrepreneurship is not a choice as much as it's like a addiction kind of like you, the people that I know who are successful entrepreneurs, you're, it's like, it's just in you. Yeah. 
um, I think about sometimes how I could, um, I worked for tech companies for years and years and years before I started doing this full time. I had like over a decade into management at like huge tech companies. Yeah, I could easily walk into like a very nice, cushy, well-paid benefits, right? Store, right? <laughs> and I think about it sometimes, like, why would you not go work where the benefits are? Like, what are you doing? But I, there's something in my soul that has to do this. Yeah. It's just nothing but this would be good enough. And um, you know, I say that to say, I think one of the amazing things about entrepreneurship is when it works and when you're right. And when you have really good days where like, um, at a girl, uh, recently hit me in the DM, she hasn't been able to use a bath soap without getting a yeast infection ever. And one of my big pitches on the ads is, you know what I mean? No yeast infection after your bath soap. And so she bathed and she's like bought so many products now over the last couple uh, weeks because she's like, this is amazing. It feels good. I smell good. My husband's like out on me. We're having so much fun. I'm like, yes. Like that. So that those things like that are like, you know, all the work. Yeah. It's like every ounce of love and like the, amount of cost and frustration that it takes to manufacture things the way I do to watch it pay off and how people experience the products that to me is like the biggest like that is the biggest reward um and I think from a personal level I like getting up and working whenever I want to Mm -hmm. so I work a lot of hours um which I'm also working on in therapy is to not work myself into exhaustion all the time Um, but the flip side is I get to work from where I want, when I want wearing what I want, (laughs) when I want, I go to Miami when I want, like Mm -hmm. I get to live very free, um, or as free as you can. Right. Because everything is based around my own schedule. And I like that. I like having my own time to do what I want to do. Um, because I think to me, that's what makes me happier. Like working for another person and letting them have my time is very suffocating for me. I hate that feeling. Mm-hmm. So I like that I get to kind of run my own schedule, even if I still work 15 hours a day, for some reason, it just doesn't feel like, I feel like I chose it, which. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you said, I feel like you're chosen to be an entrepreneur, you know? And I feel like, and I, sometimes I wonder, is it, a millennial thing because I hear a lot of millennials say the same sentiment and that like they're just not fulfilled working for someone else you know and I know I've dealt with that where I've just been in the office miserable because I'm like you know you you only have so many hours in a day and they say you know you put in your time here and then you go home and work on your business but it's like man then you're depleted by the end of the week you're getting <laughs> somebody else to rest exactly exactly I think I also think we're kind of going through this weird time period where everybody has this idea about entrepreneurship that's not very true I think a lot of people especially I hate to say it but um I've had some experiences recently with people working for me who are in their 20s and they see entrepreneurship as something very glamorous yeah and the reality is is if you can't do a really great job working for someone else, I highly doubt you could do a really great job working for yourself. That's good. It's one thing to be, you know, I was an all-star in my career. 
-hmm. and then transitioned over to being a full-time entrepreneur. It's another thing to have never worked in any capacity or had gotten fired from every job you've ever had because your real life is an entrepreneur that, or maybe you just don't want to do the work that has to be done. Like being an entrepreneur is a lot of work and the book always stops with you. Everything is your fault. If it worked, it was your fault. If it didn't work, it was your fault. Yeah. And that is a very painful lesson. Um, And you can do everything right and still fail. Mm. That's another very painful lesson. And so, you know, the amount of capital and energy and drive and mindset that you have to keep in order to be an entrepreneur and really push something and like continually keep yourself afloat, it's it's not for the faint of heart. And it's not particularly glamorous. Not at all. It's, <laughs> it's a lot harder than, you know, clocking in and clocking out every day. You know, it's a lot more hours, <laughs> like you said, because the buck stops with you. So you might, you know, be working on a project and before you know it, 16 hours have passed by. But you're doing, if you're doing something that you love and you're passionate about, it can be, it can not feel so much as work, but it still is work and it's still very tiring. And like you said, you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and and do what it takes for to be successful you know it's it's yours there is no I clocked out let somebody else deal with right exactly finish this I go right back to work yeah my ad launch this week didn't work wow so now I need to go back after we get off this call and go back through all the ads and rebuild and retarget because after spending all the time and all the energy and all the money on those ads, they're not bringing in business like they should be. So that's what my Friday night is. Wow. <laughs> like the sacrifice that you, you know, anyone listening have to be willing to give up. You know, are you willing to sacrifice your Friday night? Are you willing to sacrifice your money, you know, to invest into your company? These are a lot of things that, like you said, people don't think about. They see the glitz and the glam business owner, hashtag, you know. Girl boss. Right. <laughs> and it's like, child, it's work. It's work. So what would you suggest to someone who has this great innovative idea, but they don't know where to begin to, to start a business? Um, well, there's, I mean, if you have a great idea, there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can sell an idea. You can patent an idea. Like there's so many directions. It doesn't always have to be you in your garage doing it. You can sell um, usually those invention companies are scams. I actually had an invention a long time ago that I sold to an invention company. And then I ended up backing out because they were charging me a lot of money and I didn't think it made sense. Um, I lived many lives, right? Like I'm always, I always have my hands in something. And, you know, you can always patent something and sell it at, as a proof of concept. Yeah. You can all, you know, you can partner, you can, there's, there's so many opportunities. You can find somebody doing something similar, Yeah. you know what I mean? And partner with them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be just you grinding it out solo. And so I think I would just, you know, I think if you really have something really dig into what you want, what do you want? You know, what is your, what's going to make you happy? What, what is going to wake you up every day and like put pep in your step? For me, I actually, well, I spend the first hour of my day for myself, but after that, like I'm dying to get going on my stuff. Like that's, I wake up ready to run. Yeah. Do this. And I think, so for me, 
you know, running a business and running it by myself actually is fits my personality and who I am. It makes me happy really well. But you, I think, you know, giving that some thought and also too, it's like, what kind of person are you? Because if you're going to make the choice, um, you know, to run a, to start a business, a big thing is, you know, you need other people, you need staff and how a lot of how your staff performs is a direct reflection of how good of a leader you are. And people don't want to hear that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. If you feel like all the staff you've had is shit, there's mm-hmm. <laughs> Something else is happening. Common denominator is you. <laughs> right? And we've all been there, right? Like I've, I've personally been there. I've definitely not always been the leader that I wanted to be. Um, I've had times where I've made decisions I wish I hadn't. I've like, you know, you, there's a lot of growth you go through in being an entrepreneur just by, by, you know, people being reliant on you right. and having to be, you know, the kind of person who's not leaving a bunch of dead bodies in your wake. You don't want a bunch of people out here like, oh my God, I work for it and it's freaking terrible. Like you gotta, right. You, you want to not be that person. And that also takes a lot of growth. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it really all boils down to if you wake up, if you have to wake up every day for the next five years and do this, are you going to be happy? Right. That's such a good point. Like, I feel like you really have to evaluate yourself and learn your characteristics. Like, okay, is this something that I might love this idea, but is this something that I can actually wake up and do every day? Or I might, you know, be good at creating, but I might not be a great leader, you know? And so like knowing what you're good at is very important when starting a business. So that's important. And then finding the people, if you do decide, okay, I can go through with this, finding the people who are good at what you're not good at so that the business can actually thrive. That's very, very key. So that's something to think of before you get out there and start, you know, putting all this money into a business and you're not sure if you can actually operate. (laughs) Access to capital is also huge. I know a lot, everybody wants to quit their job and be an entrepreneur, but I actually worked, I kept my tech jobs for um, three years. Yeah, yeah. To really just put money in the bank so that full-time entrepreneurship, well, one, first just to fund the business. Right. And then to buffer myself. So I have a safety net. Right. So you can survive. <laughs> still got to eat. Still got to pay rent or mortgage, you know? Yeah. Business financials are up and down. Yeah. Are. And I, you know, one of the scarier things about owning a business is that you can do everything right and still lose your shirt, mm. you know, ads and stuff that, you know, everybody wants to like, I watch these, um, you know, Instagram, all these, everybody's an influencer now, right? Everybody's got to everybody's got a multi-million dollar ad idea oh, like mm-hmm. okay first of all the landscape is changing so quickly with the ad tools and the oh, privacy yeah. blocking and all of that no one has all the answers because the landscape has changed so significantly in the last even six months um that everybody's having to readjust their strategy and how you target a user because you can't track just so just for context um the Apple iOS update made it so that people can come and basically purchase from you and you can't track them. Wow. So it's very hard now to see where's your traffic coming from. So how do I target you? Right. If I don't know where you are. My ads, if I have no, or how do I even know where my money is coming from? If if I have a bucket of 65% of my traffic and conversions, I have no idea where they're from. How do I then keep doing that to keep bringing that business in? Right. It's like, running around with blinders on yeah so it's like you know especially with like the ad game everybody wants to get into these ads and they're very powerful when you can get them right but the cost to getting them right is incredibly expensive yeah like incredibly expensive 
even at even at a small scale, you really, well, this is my opinion, take it for what it's worth. If you want to see if an ad is worth it, you want to be spending about a hundred to $200 a day on it. Mm. So that you can collect enough data to deem whether it's a worthwhile ad or not. Wow. That's one of my standards that I go by, but think about how much money that is. Yeah. Think about how much money that is. If you're wrong. <laughs> and now you and now you have to start over, right? Yeah. yeah. You're wrong. So you're like, mm, that didn't work. <laughs> Down the drain. Yeah. That's a lot of money to test a theory. Yeah. And so, you know, access to capital is a is a, a big determination on the, whether your business is gonna make it, not how good your idea is, not how cute you are, not who your friends are, like mm-hmm. access to capital. So before you decide to just take this great idea and quit your job and jump into entrepreneur, my suggestion would be start your business, keep your job mm-hmm. so that you can keep funding because that's what's really going to make or break at the end of the day, like getting through tough times, like COVID sweeping the world and having to completely pivot your business. Yeah. Right. Like nobody could have seen that coming. No yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning this, you know, through investing. I feel like one of the keys too to entrepreneurship is willing to, to lose sometimes, you know? And I think some, that's well, that's what shuts down a lot of businesses, you know, is you lose that money and you're like, okay, this is not for me. <laughs> a lot of L's and, and like, and being able to dissect them. Yeah. You got to lose and then sit down and pull it apart and figure out how you lost and why mm-hmm. so that you can do better. And that is a painful, that is a painful process. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So many gems being dropped here. So many gems. Because like you said, I think that a lot of people go on social media and they see the glitz and glam of a lot of different things, especially entrepreneurship. And it's important for them to hear hear the real, you know, from someone who's been through it, because you don't see that side. (laughs) You see the highlight reel. And it's very true. You only see what's what's good about it, but you don't see look. I'm, I've lost money. <laughs> I've had sleepless nights. I've been up, I've put in hours and money and time into, you know, ads and different things. And now I have to start over from scratch. <laughs> These are some of the lessons that you don't always hear. So not to scare anyone away from entrepreneurship, you know, if you have the, the guts and the wherewithal to do it by all means, but definitely know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Just yeah. be ready to, and you know, I think the village also just like makes a difference. Being surrounded by people that are also entrepreneurs is really helpful. Yeah, yeah. They can, you know, they help keep you. Because especially if you have people around you who aren't entrepreneurs, I feel like they don't get it. Like mm-hmm. my, so my father and I are like incredibly close, but he just, to him, me quitting a profitable job to run business full time is like crazy grossly irresponsible right? <laughs> right 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 like you're an executive at a tech company you're making good money like why would you just keep doing both you got your little side hustle and I'm like but it just doesn't matter how many times I break down for him in his brain he can't especially that I think generationally for them of course that That's generation right. man you get that good job you just hold it forever get that you get your pension and you're yeah. like, go and so, you know, that, that for me has become very challenging at times where you've got him speaking, 
you know, fear. Yeah, out of love and caring for you, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not because he doesn't think you're capable or any of those things, right? It's just that those are his mindsets that he has. And um I have to be careful how I let him talk to me and I have to be careful how much how what I go to him with. Because yeah, yeah. there are things that happen that it's better for me to actually go to one of my entrepreneur friends mm -hmm. because they're going to speak life into me. And in a lot of ways, I think somebody who hasn't traveled this doesn't know how to speak life into you because the experience, I think, is just a little bit disconnected. And I don't think, again, it's about, you know, malicious or not having good intentions or any of that. It's just this lifestyle is very different mm -hmm. than the norm. Yeah. And so you need you need those entrepreneur friends mm -hmm. kind of sit you down and like, listen pivot, figure it out. What can you sell? What can you, you know, there's always all these side hustles going on that you can also supplement your income with. Like there's, there's so many options on how to make it. And you need somebody who's going to like, can share that piece with you. Not like that look like, Ooh, I need you should have done it. Mm -hmm. You know? Tell you. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, especially people of a certain generation are often going to oppose that, which they don't understand, you know, but I, like you said, such a word, like you have to be mindful of who you confide in. And that's in anything that's in all <laughs> stages of life, you know, because what you, what you take in, it really, really has an impact on, you know, how motivated you are to maintain this business and, you know, how successful you're going to be. So like really, really be mindful of who you confide in. Yeah. And not even because they're bad people, but just because yeah. what they say might not be, you don't need fear sticking in your mind. There's already enough of your own fear when you take the leap. Right. <laughs> you have enough doubt of your own. <laughs> right, right. You don't need other people. One of the things um, I think too, is black women, we don't get told we're smart a lot. Yeah. Especially if you're pretty, for some reason, people think like everybody's like a one trick pony. Like if you're pretty, you're not smart. If you're ugly, you're probably smart. Like yeah. Yeah, none of these things are really mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. The one thing my therapist always says to me, and I never realized how valuable it was until she started saying it, but she would say, you are very smart. Like you are above average in intellect. If anybody can solve this problem, it's you. Wow. And she started saying that to me. And then I started saying it to myself yeah. and it really like resonated with me how much we're not told we're smart, mm -hmm. right? Strong, uh, durable, dependable, loyal, right? A great number two, mm -hmm. but smart, capable, like we don't get those words and so I think when she started saying that to me it made me kind of inherit how much I needed to remind myself that I'm smart and that I can solve this problem because I'm smart right right because I'm capable and so that a lot of times when I start feeling that fear like that's like my go-to yeah I'm like if anybody can solve this problem it's me that's good. Or any area that you're feeling weakened, like I'm organized, I can multitask, you know, all the things that yeah. try to get in your head, like I'm just so flustered. I'm so all over the place. Like, no, I'm organized. I can do yeah. this. I can make, you have to speak those affirmations to yourself because you will dig a pit for yourself 
if you're speaking the opposite, if you're feeding into those insecurities. So I love that your therapist brought that up because man, we do that so, so very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked about, um, you know, the process of entrepreneurship and how, you know, the ups and downs of money coming in and money going out. What would you say to someone who like been it been in it maybe for a few months or maybe even a year and they're not seeing much profit? how can they regroup or how can they stay, you know, stay focused in that season? Pretty statistically proven, but I'll also just say it's my opinion is you really, depending on what type of business you're in, but you really don't start to see profit um, until after your first few years. Yeah. And so what I would say is if you started your business a couple of months ago, then you should buckle up. Mm. Because... Mm. <laughs> it, it takes a minute to get yourself to that place, which is why I think having the consistent access to capital is so important right. because it, this is not it, but it, it really just goes back to that thing of this idea that people want this life because they see the glamor yeah. and most, I believe, I can't remember where I saw this statistic, but most businesses don't start actually making profit until after five years. I've heard that. Yes. Mm-hmm five like that's a long time to get to profit and so you really that's again why you need to be really honest with yourself about why you want this and and if you can weather it because it's not overnight it's it's investment and a lot of times as well so um I mentioned earlier my financial officer was like, I don't think we need to be a manufacturer. And I'm like, you're a manufacturer. Like in the third year of my business, I need to start a separate arm that take in manufacturing investment is quite heavy. Yeah. It was a lot of money up front to invest, but it was the it was the right, it was it had to be done. So, but you know, numbers on a spreadsheet, I put more money into the pot right making it a longer tail investment to actually reap now at the end of the reap do you reap more yes yeah but you have to be able to weigh out and ride out that investment time in order to get to reaping that reward yeah like you said having the capital is so important you know (laughs) so very important because you don't want to end up cutting corners because you're running low on capital, you know, and you were able to see a need and despite the cost, you know, address that need. And now I'm sure you're like, I'm, I'm happy I made that decision. But yeah. sometimes if you're, if you're not putting yourself in the position to take on this type of task, then you're, you're doing that. You're cutting corners and you're not giving your, your, your customers what they deserve, you know, yeah. what you're hope for them to come to you for. You still have bad, like, um, I don't think anybody knows this, except for maybe my parents. Uh, when I did, I so I invested in some automated machinery to pack. And um, several, like, tens of thousands of dollars, right? So I, it's coming from overseas. It takes, like, six months or whatever. I get everything here, finally. And I have a ton of problems getting through customs, getting things through customs costs money, getting the trucks. I need forklifts. I need, I can't find a forklift driver. I can't find a forklift rental. So now I'm, now I'm over budget, right? 
because right. all of these things are coming out of nowhere like and they're big things there you know it's a uh the machine itself weighs well it's you know mm-hmm. you it's huge problems mm-hmm. literally huge problems and um I remember just laying down and crying mm. and think I should have never done this. Mm. This was too much. I did. I pushed it too far. I spent all this money. I'm fucked. Like, what did I do? I, this, this was a mistake. This was, a, and I was just so broken down and like scared that I'd done the wrong thing and uh invested the wrong way and invested a lot and now i'm in the middle of this like total storm that i have to get through right you just have to get through this storm you can't just not i can't return it it's not a t-shirt and all this money (laughs) yeah so i I powered through and i figured it out it was a very very hard week um and like when i have hard weeks and like that i mean the human stuff goes out the window. I mean, I don't shower. I forget to eat because I just get consumed and like what we're fixing has to be fixed. And I forget about all the other stuff. Right. (laughs) I'm like a mess, like nothing matches. I'm like, was I wearing this yesterday? Like, why does everything smell bad? Like (laughs) I totally just lose like grasp of reality and so my parents know you know of course they know this about me because they've been with me forever so they're like on the phone and they're like when's the last time you showered when's the last time you ate <laughs> like you have to keep yourself together um and my dad said to me you know you're gonna make it work you made the investment you knew it was the right investment don't let this convince you of something of something you know what I mean you knew in your soul this was the right move and it was it's going to be hard earned but this was the move and you need the only option now is to make it work so make it work and I was like okay and so I did and then now I have a manufacturing company yes and so it's you know now I'm happy I did it but I'll tell you what that that was a, yeah, I, you, you have doubts for sure. You have times where you're like, wow, I really screwed this up. This is a terrible decision. Who let me have this? <laughs> Why am I unattended? Right. 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 It's, isn't that funny though, that your dad who was saying, go back to your company tech job was like, you can handle this. I believe in you. Like you, I think you, you kind of prove yourself in a way, you know, when you you've done the work and you yeah. continue to grind in spite of he's like it's too late now you just have yeah. to <laughs> you have to make this work you just gotta make it now like that's the only choice like it's too late to pull out it's just survival time make right. it work and I was like okay okay like, take a shower first yeah breakfast yeah <laughs> clean up make it work <laughs> wash your clothes <laughs> <laughs> let's start there right (laughs) but yeah I just man this is really really inspiring because I feel like even though we kept it very real about the the trials there also are a lot of triumphs like the fact that now you have your own manufacturing company which is a big deal you know they have you know a black owned manufacturing company and to have so many other Black companies that you're working with is 
everything to me. And I just hope that it inspires people to go out there and, you know, put those innovative ideas to work, collaborate. You know, this show is called Name a Better Duo for a reason, like collaborate because you're so much better with someone else than, than by yourself. Of course, yeah, it's your idea, it's your baby, it's your business, but you need help. Okay, there's going to be some area that you're going to need help in. And so, you know, don't be afraid to just talk to people, network and, you know, just kind of pick people's brains, you know, and that's again yeah. what this show is here for. So I love it. This has been such a good conversation, Jasmine. Let people know where they can find you, your business, the website, all of that good stuff, social media, share it with us. Excellent. So my name is Jasmine Duke, J-A-Z-M-I-N-E-D-U-K-E. All of my socials are actually just attached to my name because I'm very professional like that, I guess. <laughs> um, and then uh, JD Bathco, J-D-B-A-T-H-C-O on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook, and the website is jdbathco.com. Yes, this has been so fun. I'm going, I'm hitting over, like I said, I have sensitive skin, so I'm hitting over to JD Bathco <laughs> once we log off here. Um, this has been so educational. Like, honestly, like there's the story you shared at the beginning. I'm like, wow, like I never, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> never would have thunk, but you know, and that's what this is for. There's so many women who are struggling and don't know why, you know? So I, I'm so glad that you shared your story. I love it. I also am super open. Like if you need somebody to talk to about vaginal care, um, I actually also, I have a nonprofit called the female condition in Atlanta as well. Okay. And I'm working right now on getting, um, free content online about caring for your vagina. And then also trying to get into the public school system to do some like just general hygiene type, yeah. completely free, accessible online, like really just making sure people have the information that they need about how to care for themselves so that they're not left without a resource. But if you do have questions or comments, concerns, want to just talk to somebody, I'm here. Um, contact me. I'm always, I'm like the person everybody always calls to talk about their vagina. I'm happy to give any words of wisdom that I can. I know sometimes it can feel kind of um, embarrassing to reveal your your secrets but uh if you need an ear i'm always here that's so big i love that i love the idea of the nonprofit because there's so many young girls who don't want to talk to mom or don't want to talk to dad or whomever is back home like they need someone another outlet so and they just need the education because a lot of times parents don't have those conversations especially <laughs> generationally like yeah. we are talking about that generation who didn't have access to you know, my mom gave me everything she had, but the reality was when I started having some of these problems, she didn't have anything to, she didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so I think that's a big, and having again online is like such a powerful tool because people can just access this stuff, right? We don't have to, we're not gatekeeping it. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to like, you can just read. And I think that's very magical because it, it lets people have access to things that we just didn't have five years ago. Yeah. I love this. This was such a great conversation. I love what you're doing, Jasmine. And thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. This was good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. As Jasmine shared, you can follow her. You can go 
get some of the products because you need them in your life. Take care of your body. Take care of you. (laughs) Self-soothe. Okay. While you're doing some of that self-care, make sure you're self-soothing as well. (laughs) I love it. I learned a new term today. (laughs) Thank you again, Jasmine. And thank you everyone for watching Name a Better Duo. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. I am Renee Nicole. Have an amazing week.